So who is it exactly that shows up in Bethlehem? We'll talk about that next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. He shows up in Bethlehem as a baby. Who is he? Well, Jesus, obviously, of course. But who is Jesus? And that's the question we're looking at and the question the Apostle Paul answers here in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. That's where we find ourselves today in a message called, Who Came to Bethlehem? It's our look at Christmas here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20, with the reading of God's Word now. Once again, here's Pastor Phil Howard. He is Christ, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Paul is in prison, and uh, he's addressing an issue See, a lot of times when we preach this stuff, it's like preaching to the choir. You say, oh, I already know this stuff. And I'm not writing to a bunch of pagans that just got saved and are being swamped by the different religions that are influencing them. This church was under the influence of something known as the Colossian heresy. Uh, If you look at chapter 2, they were worshipers of angels. Uh, They were into asceticism, don't do this, don't touch that. Uh, They were in the philosophies of men. Let me tell you a little bit about what the Colossian heresies, made up of a lot of uh, Jewish mysteries, a lot of uh, pagan Gnosticism, which was claiming superior knowledge. It went this way. Uh, God... Uh, in order to come in contact with the earth and human beings, created a whole hierarchy of lesser beings going from God. And so you're going down this uh, hierarchical ladder, and even you see this word thrones, dominions. This is believed to be different rankings of angels. And sometimes it was called eons. And uh, in this, they have what they called seven demurges, D-E-M-I-U-R-G-E-S. And finally, they got to one of these beings low enough, far enough from God, that he could come in contact with matter. 
come in contact with a physical person. Because a pure God being could never be contaminated by touching the earth or touching a human being. So he had this whole hierarchy of lesser beings, down, down, down. A part of it in this system was dualism, Darth Vader, and the battle between good and evil. And dualism said good and evil have always existed, and they've always fought with each other, and here we go back and forth. So you bring that dualism all the way back, good and evil existed. Go back, pure God could never come in contact with matter. Pure God could never touch a human body because a part of this philosophy was the body is evil. And that's why they developed all these aesthetic rules. Don't touch, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. Because you know the body's a dirty, uh, bad instrument. And much of this came over in Catholicism that taught sexuality was dirty. And that's much of where that came from, came all the way back from the Gnostic. If matter's dirty, if the body's dirty, anything I do with the body is dirty. So even sexuality, which most sexuality in many ways is used with vulgarity, but it was never evil in the mind of God because matter is not evil. You haven't heard it yet, but that's okay. I was set laying the groundwork. This is what was going on. And this was influenced. So you come along and you say in your theology, we've got someone on earth who says he's God and he's in a body. This just can't be. This can't be. So Paul is writing to these believers and he begins to unfold this majestic view of Christ, to answer the question, who came to Bethlehem? We could go to Isaiah 7, the virgin shall bear a child. Isaiah 9, wonderful, mighty counselor. We go to Isaiah 53. I mean, it's all over the Bible, but I'm taking Colossians. Verse 15, three things we want to look at. Number one, Christ is the preeminent expression of the invisible God. He is the visible expression. Now, we looked at that in John. You remember in John 14 that Philip and Thomas said, show us the Father. We, we like to see God, Jesus. We want to see God. And Jesus looks at them astounded. Wait, I've been giving the words of God. I've been doing the works of God. I claim that before Abraham was, I am in John 8. I, this book of John opened with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt or tinted out among you. Uh, what is it about you guys? You're looking at God. If you've seen me, Philip, you've seen God. I give the visible expression of him you can never see. I am his representative, and he uses the word here, He's in the image of God. It's the word icon, icon. We get our word image from it. And uh, they commonly, in the Roman coin, they put the emperor's face, okay? Now, imagine with me, if you could, uh, 50 A.D., Nero was on the throne at that time. 
Imagine making a coin with an ugly looking Nero. Or you distorted the image. You put a wart on his nose. Because we've got to sell coins. Uh, this boy, uh, his wife better be looking for another husband. She's dead. It better be the exact representation of the face of the emperor. This is the word used here. Jesus Christ gives the exact representation of who and what God is. The invisible God. And this is what he's saying. I give that expression. God has spoken to the race in many ways. He used prophets. He used dreams. He used visions. He gave the books of the Old Testament. He had prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us in a son. And so, the son is in the exact image and representation. You have no less God with Jesus than if all three members were in the room. They're not all the same persons. They had another error in church history called modalism. Modalism. Which said there's only three modes of God, but there's not three persons. And so they said this. In the Old Testament, God wore the mask of a father. So in the Old Testament, our God is a father. Uh, in the New Testament, he changed masks. He put on the mode of a son. Now he's gone. He's put on another mask. And now he's the Holy Spirit. Only one person but three different roles. Not so. Three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit have been through there all the way. But here's something. Here's a favorite of people. The God of the Old Testament is dastardly evil. He says kill babies. He brings a universal flood. He kills all the children in Egypt. I wouldn't want to know that God if I could. God says, I'll send you my representative. And Jesus will give you the full expression of what's really in my heart and who I am. I am a God of wrath. I'm angry every day in the Psalms. God gets angry every day. So if you blow your cool once in a while, it's okay. The only thing is, his is righteous anger. Quit kicking that cat. God is angry every day. He's not passive towards sin. But here Christ comes, and Christ never killed any babies. He was one of the babies that was on the chopping block to be killed by Herod. He was killed by men. And God is saying, you see what men would do with me? If I came and walked among them, they'll do to me what they did to my son. For what you do to Jesus, you've done to God. He is the exact image of God. Then he goes on to say he is preeminent uh, in every way. And he does something that the cults just love. And you want to memorize this. It says Christ is the firstborn. I knew it. I knew it. Christ was created. Just what Arius said in the third, in the 300s, fourth century. Arius said, there was a time when Jesus did not exist. He was not God. At a point in time, God created him. Now, this fits right in with the Colossian heresy. Jesus, if he walked in a body, he couldn't be pure God. 
Because pure God can't inhabit a body. Pure God can't touch the earth. That would contaminate him. But it calls him the firstborn. So obviously, Christ is the first thing God created, right? Well, he says firstborn, folks. What is, who's the firstborn in your family? Deborah's my firstborn. So there you go. Jesus is the first thing God created in this ladder coming down. That's what the Colossians would say. It's what the, it's what the cults say. It's what Jehovah's Witnesses say. It's what all the other cults would say. Christ had a beginning. He is not, he's a nice teacher, maybe a nice man, but he's not all the way back. Why firstborn? 130 times. It is used in the Old Testament, Dr. Peter O'Brien, I'm quoting, leading Greek scholar. 130 times in the Old Testament, the term firstborn is used of things that are not first in an order. That's only one usage of it. Um, I thought you would question this, so I did some work. Uh, Arntin Gingrich, the word protos, prototokos, this word, it means the first in several ways. It can be first in time. First one there, the earliest one. It can be first in a number of sequence. Like people would say, he must have been created. But over 130 times, it's used a first in rank. First in rank. That means prominent position. Preeminent. The disciples sought to be first among their friends. You remember the disciples always competing? Who would be first? Not in time, not chronologically. Who would be preeminent? And when it uses this of Christ, it's saying he is in the place of preeminence in relation and compared to all creation. Well, how is that? Because he is the creator and not the created. He is the firstborn. I'll give you some examples. Who was Abraham's firstborn son? Ishmael. What does Hebrews 11 call him? Was it Ishmael in Hebrews 11 that he calls his firstborn? Who? Wait, God's mixed up. No, no, he's not talking about chronological birth. He's talking about the one who gets the family name, the family position, the heirship, the double inheritance, the family name, the place of privilege and preeminence will go to Isaac, not Ishmael. Ishmael fled to the east, and God made a mighty nation, the Arab nations out of him. But this boy Isaac is my firstborn. Not chronologically, by privilege. Here's another one. Israel, my firstborn, Exodus 4. Israel is my firstborn. Let me ask you this. Was Israel the firstborn? Is that the first nation God ever made? Where was Abraham? He's living down there among the Chaldeans in Ur, Genesis 12. There were many nations. He's going to start another nation through Abraham. Israel comes. You're my firstborn. 
God has never said that about another nation, including America. If you don't like Jews, get over it. God does. That's right. They're his choice. Didn't have to have us Gentiles vote on it. They're my firstborn. I'm going to bring the scriptures through them. I'm going to bring Messiah through them. I'm going to build, bring a messianic king to them. I'm going to reign over the earth out of Mount Zion. Not up there. There's a place called Mount Zion. It's Mount Moriah right now. It's right in Israel. It's where the Dome of the Rock is. He's going to reign from there. Israel, you're my firstborn. Now, my firstborn son, the one of highest preeminence and privilege, is my son who gives visible expression of God. And watch what is done through this firstborn privileged son. Watch this in relation to creation. For by him, it's really in the sphere of him, all things emerged out of an amoebic pond. All things exploded in a big bang, and it just fell into order. And that's why some of you look rather strange, because it looks like an explosion happened. I can't look at you. I'm trying to just be serious. <laughs> All things were evolving. What does it say? In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. You know what? You said in one of two chairs, Francis Schaeffer said, you said either in the chair of naturalism or the chair of supernaturalism. And in the chair of naturalism, the only thing that matters is what you can touch, feel, taste, or see. That's the naturalistic chair. But you come over here, and you get in this chair, and it's the chair of supernaturalism. And one day, oh, Elijah, he's down there at Dothan, and uh, reading the Dothan paper. And he sends his messenger out to get the paper. And when he comes back, he said, whoa, whoa, master, come out here. The hills are lined with the armies of the enemy. Elijah walks out. See, this boy, his servant was sitting in this chair. All he could see is what the visible eye sees. Elijah comes out here. He takes a seat. He sees the mountains filled with the armies of God. They're everywhere. Woo! I mean, they're everywhere. And, and he gets a servant. He said, Lord, he, he, this is before glasses. He said, said, Lord, open his eyes. What do you mean he opened his eyes? Wasn't he right? Yeah, he was right. See, he's like some of you. All you ever see are waves. You never see the master. You always see problems. You never see solutions. You always see the obstacle. You never see the opportunity. See, your outlook determines your outcome. But your outlook, if you can't see God... You're not walking by faith. Anybody can see the waves. Just the natural man. He prays for that man. Whoo! And do you know what? Like in this room, 
I wonder how many thousands of spirit beings could be in this room. What's scary, you take, there's a man in the Bible, they called him Legion. I believe Legion is 6,000 Roman soldiers. He had 6,000 demonic beings, and every demon is a personality. Every demon is a fallen angel, intellect, will, emotion. He had, you talk about a split personality, he had 6,000 splits in one body, spatially. 6,000 individual beings were able to occupy the same space as one body. Imagine, no wonder they had him chained, dwelling among the caves. And he was naked, and he cut himself constantly. Because when these demons got in a fight with one another for prominence, his body paid the price. They racked him, tore him. It's a wonder he was alive. So, he's saying, you Colossians, you've got all these angels ranked by thrones. Dominion, and you get to uh, Ephesians, principalities, powers, uh, this. You've got all this invisible world. You've got it ranked, ranked, ranked. And he said, let me tell you about this firstborn creator, son. He created everything, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, everything ever been created was created through him and for him. And he is, anybody got your Bible? I can't hear you. He is what? Before, and, and Colossus said, that can't be. He, he's, he lives down here in Nazareth. We know his mama. He's physical. He can't. He says, he's before all things. You mean he's eternal? Yeah. And in him, all things hold together. Let me tell you about this word, hold together. It's literally a Greek word that means uh, to cohere. Uh, you could translate it uh, cohesion. Uh, everything has cohesion in Christ. Everything. To place together. Lightfoot says, hold together, cohere. Rejoicing in the reason for the season. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Our thanks to you for spending time with us today. It's our hope and prayer that you find encouragement from God's Word as he strengthens you by his grace through the preaching and teaching of his word. If you have questions or comments about the broadcast, we would encourage you to contact us here at Truth For Today. And then we also have an invitation for you to join us tonight. We have a wonderful Christmas gospel concert called, Is There Any Wonder? And it starts tonight at 6 p.m. Now, this is our last show, and we'd love to have you come out and join us. It's our gift to the community, free of charge, intended for all ages. And then, of course, next week, Wednesday evening, 7 p.m., we'll have our candlelight Christmas Eve celebration, and everyone is invited to join us singing carols and celebrating the birth of Christ. 
information can be found on our website if you'd like to stop by. It's valleybible.org. Rather simple to remember, valleybible.org. Now, if you would like a copy of today's program, simply call and request a copy. We'll send one out just for asking. Now, if you would like to donate $10 or more, we'll send a copy of Pastor Phil's three-sermon series, Jesus Christ, the Revealer of God. And for a gift of $20 or more, we'll send a copy of Pastor Phil's book by the same name. Again, Jesus Christ, the Revealer of God. Simply request it when you call or write. Our phone number is 855 833 9864. Again, you can reach us toll free at 855 833 9864. Or write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, and that's here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. You're also welcome to visit our website and drop us an email there, valleybible.org. As always, you're welcome to join us for worship. As mentioned, we have our special Christmas gospel concert tonight, and that begins here at the church at 6 p.m. or Our service times, Sundays, are at 9 and 11. Directions and information, again, all can be found at our website, valleybible.org, or by simply calling 855-833-9864. For joining us today, we are truly grateful, and we look forward to seeing you maybe tonight for our special concert, or at least next Sunday morning for worship. For details, please stop by valleybiblechurch.org, and we'll see you next time we get together here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Hercules.